Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories. And we tell stories about everything here on this show, including yours. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. And we like to tell great business stories and great entrepreneurship stories because it's the heart of the American dream. Bob Huff was born just outside of Dayton, Ohio, in the blue-collar factory town of Moraine City. Bob's early life was anything but easy. But as you'll hear, that clearly didn't stop him. Here's Bob to tell his own story. 
I remember we had a three-room house. There was a kitchen, a living room, and a bedroom, and sort of a potbelly stove in the middle of the three rooms. The street had no plumbing. We didn't have any sewage. So as time went on, my mother and my father moved to an, another home. And at that time, there were serious issues between them, namely alcoholism on my father's part. And I didn't realize that as a child. I don't think you, you remember. So my mother and father got a divorce. So my mother became a sole income source for the family. She worked very diligently. She worked in a factory. My mother lost her job at the factory because the factory went out of business. And then it became a, a situation where she worked very diligently at whatever job she could get, but she just worked. So my brother and I was sort of left to care for ourselves. So it was a great learning experience for me to sort of grow up with a single parent and with a parent who did everything she could to make life as normal as possible. And as I became a teenager, the reality set in that it's time for me to get a job. My mother just told me, so well, you know, you're going to have to earn your own spending money, Bob, because I can't afford to buy all the clothes you want and the expenses that you have. So you're going to get a job. So it wasn't anything earth shattering. It's just what you do. I saw that she worked. And so I thought, well, it would be fun to work. I did not take college prep in high school. I just took regular courses. Um, I wasn't uh, the best student in the class, or the brightest probably, and I really didn't have any idea what I was going to do with my life, but I knew that I wanted a life different than what I had lived over the past few years and the loneliness you have in taking care of yourself as a, a teenager. So on my birthday, uh, when I turned 19, having experienced one semester at Wright State University, I got my draft notice for the Vietnam War. So I thought, well, I don't know if I want to be drafted or if I should just join where I could select my own career path in the military. So what I had decided was that it would be better for me to join the military for four years and choose the vocation which would best suit my personality and what I wanted to do in the future. So I chose Army Intelligence. I was an intelligence non-commissioned officer. I did get to travel to Japan for two years and enjoyed the beautiful beaches in Okinawa. Then I was transferred to Washington, D.C. and I was a young uh, single person and I enjoyed the nightlife in Georgetown more than anything. All of a sudden, I realized I've got uh, about 12 months left and I think, oh, this is great because I'm not going to have to worry about another transfer. I really like where I am. However, the Army had a, a different idea. I'd received orders from my commanding officer to go to Turkey. And it was a, a another living experience, shall we say, because it was very isolated. We monitored uh, the Russian information from that area. And it was a good year. I, I got to take some college courses. University of Virginia professor, visiting professor, who would come and give classes, realizing that when I got out of the military, I'd want to go back to college. 
So it was a great year for me. I enjoyed the culture and the people of Turkey. And uh, then I came back to Columbus. My mother had remarried and she had a home in Columbus. So I went there initially, signed up for Ohio State University. I was fortunate to get in there. I remember I never thought that I would go to college because I had not taken college prep. But I remember Mrs. Drury, uh, my English teacher in high school, and she said, Bob, all schools at that time, especially Ohio schools, if you applied, they would, they would uh, accept you, at least for one semester. And so that's what happened at Ohio State. I was accepted and uh, I began my college career. And it was an interesting starting period. I knew I couldn't live with my mother, so I got a one-room rooming house um, that I lived in and uh, met my wife post-football game with Ohio State and Michigan. And um, we really struck it off immediately. I mean, uh, we were at this party. Neither one of us wanted to go to the particular house the party was, but it was free. And uh, I like to tell the story, we met by a fish tank. What she didn't know is that during this period that I was at Ohio State, I participated in Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, I said to her, I, she started talking to me and I was talking to her and I said, you know, if I'm a little weird just sitting here or standing here, look at this fish tank. I said, I'm just deep in thought. I said, I just became a Christian. I want to tell you uh, right up front that uh, if you have a problem with that, you know, that's, that's fine. But I've chosen this life. And she said to me, she said, well, Bob, I wanted to let you know that I'm a Christian as well. So we sort of fell in love with each other at that very moment, I think. And you're listening to Bob Huff tell his story. Growing up in a three-room house with a potbelly stove in the middle of it, a divorce that had to rock his world. But you know, he saw it as a learning opportunity and a growing opportunity, a great learning experience, he called it, being raised by a single mom who had to just work her tail off to provide. As he put it, it was nothing earth-shattering, the idea that he'd have to pay his own way for things even as a teenager. When we come back, more of Bob Huff's story, an Ohio-born, American-made story, here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we're back with Our American Stories and with Bob Huff's story. We just covered how he was raised by a single mom that taught him the value of a hard day's work. Not wanting to be drafted into the Vietnam War, Bob enlisted so he could choose a career path for himself. Now back in Ohio, Bob was attending Ohio State University and at an Ohio State-Michigan football post-game party, he just met Lynn. And as he said, they fell in love in a moment. Back to Bob. 
we got married uh, within about six months after we had met. And Lynn was a nurse, a registered nurse at University Hospital. And I was sort of a full-time student working part-time at various jobs. I, after getting out of the Army, I decided that I would join the Ohio Air National Guard in a medical evacuation unit because if I did that, I would be able to earn more money with the flight pay I would get for doing missions during the week. So that brought in about $40 per month uh, extra income for us. was probably put on academic probation, I think two times during that period. After two years, I had to decide whether I wanted to stay at Ohio State, uh, which required a foreign language. And I thought, I could never learn a foreign language. It's gonna be impossible for me to do that. So I transferred to Capital University in Columbus. And now, you know, we had been married 18 months and we had a, a child on the way. So our life was going to dramatically change. I graduated from there and I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But uh, my wife suggested, well, why don't you go into hospital administration? And so she was able to arrange to interview for a position at Ohio State in administration. So I worked there for a couple of years, two years. It was a lot of fun. We were like the administrators after hours in charge of the hospital. Everything imaginable can happen in the emergency room in the middle of the night or two o'clock in the morning when the power goes off and uh, the surgery is going on. You gotta scramble for flashlights and that type of thing. So it was a, a great experience for me. However, I knew that without my master's in hospital administration, my career would be limited. And when I graduated, I was 27 years old, so I'm really getting into my 20s now, and it's time that I get a good job and move forward. But now I have three children instead of one child, so I thought during that period, well, why don't I become a long-term care administrator, nursing administrator? Found out what was needed in order to become a licensed administrator. It was a very exciting period, and I was introduced to um, Ohio Presbyterian Homes. Now, Ohio Presbyterian Homes was a very large nonprofit organization, and they had retirement communities throughout the state of Ohio. So I met with Mr. Uly, who was the president of the company, and uh, so he offered me a position as executive director of a very large retirement community in Youngstown, Ohio. So uh, my wife and I moved to Youngstown and uh, worked in that job. I loved it. It was, it was a great challenge. I had uh, the previous, one of the things Mr. Uly told me was that the previous administrator was still there, but she wasn't producing very well. And um, it was a very uh, political situation in the local community. So at any rate, uh, every hour that I would work, she would work an hour later. And I thought, this has really got to change. So I decided that I would work longer than her. She was single, I was married, three kids. And so if she worked 12 hours, I'd work 13. And uh, so this went on for quite a while, about six or eight months. And I finally told Mr. Uly, I said, Mr. Uly, I said, something's got to change here because I have a family and I can't work seven days a week, um, although I don't mind it. And uh, I plan to uh, explain to her that she is not going to be able to work these hours. And I thought, you know, she's going to be working nine to five, Monday through Friday. 
She finally resigned and then it was sort of smooth sailing there. And I was able to turn the facility around, fill all the units, which it had not been filled before. And then I thought, oh, I really don't care living in this city. Uh, Youngstown, Ohio did not appeal to me. So I interviewed for a position in Cincinnati, Ohio. Worked there for a few years. And during that period, I thought, oh boy, you know, I really have the desire to be in business for myself. So I thought, well, I need to change jobs again. This is the third job that I've had after graduation. And I was about 31 at this time. So I had some years behind me of experience. So uh, I uh, moved to a proprietary organization. However, the burning desire of business for myself did not cease, it just increased. Well, the company I worked for wanted to expand their business. So um, I located a realtor and he and I started looking at various nursing homes for sale, if they were potential acquisitions for this large company I worked with. However, they weren't. And so after about going through maybe 10 facilities, the realtor said, Bob, why don't you just buy a place yourself? And my response was, I would love to do that. That's my goal, but I have no money. And he says, you don't need any money. Let me show you what to do. So that was the beginning of my relationship with George. George was a wonderful guy, very patient. Fortunately, George knew how to put an organization together. So Lynn and I looked at a facility. It was a small 35-bed nursing home in Dayton, Ohio. They only had about 16 residents when we were able to negotiate a contract. Mrs. Schultz, who was the owner of the nursing home, was very particular about who would take over her lifelong uh, work. Uh, but she wanted $1,000 down. And I thought, $1,000? How would I ever come up $1,000? Well, fortunately, the Lord does provide. Um, maybe not at the interest rate we want. It was in 1980, and the interest rates were like 18, 19%. So I got a uh, card through the mail from a loan company to borrow that I qualified for $2,500. And I thought, wow, 25, I wonder if this is true. So I sent the card back in and I was contacted and they said, yes, we'll loan you $2,500. I said, great, because now I've got my $1,000. This all occurred within about a month for Mrs. Schultz. And so we bought the facility. Uh, Lynn and I quit our jobs, our great jobs that we had in Cincinnati. Um, she was a director of nursing of facility and did some home health care and did a variety of different uh, things. So we took over the operation of our first facility. There was another home in Wilmington, Ohio, that was an 18-bed facility, very small. Um, the owners uh, were going out of business, and I went over and negotiated a deal of $70,000. And fortunately, during that time, Lynn were, and I were successful. We paid cash for that nursing home. And um, so I would go over, I was the administrator, uh, Lynn was the DON at two facilities now. And so I did all the painting, wallpapering, finishing, carpentry, flooring. You know, we, we actually had it going very well. And uh, then I had a company that came in and wanted to buy it. And I thought, oh, my, I don't know, you know. But they wanted to pay me $350,000. And during this period, I'd also gotten a call from George. 
George had a nursing home, it was a 140 bed facility in Caddis, Ohio, in Eastern Ohio. And he asked if I would like to buy that facility. And again, I said, George, I don't have too much money. You know, I have more than what I had before. And he said, well, Bob, if you just come and look at it. So I went to Caddis, Ohio. It was an older facility. However, it had one floor that had 60 beds on it. It's a 140-bed facility. So now we're getting up to a much larger nursing home. Uh, the census at that facility out of 140 was about 40 patients because it wasn't very well operated and looked terrible and uh, the management was terrible as well. And you're listening to Bob Huff and you're listening to how American entrepreneurs do what they do, which is add value. After a lot of experience, feeling that burning desire to go out on your own and take a risk. And as he said, when he got the loan, he longed for. The Lord does provide. And then that pause, maybe not at the interest rate I'd like. When we come back, more of Bob Huff's story, the story of entrepreneurs across this great country here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we return to Our American Stories in the final chapter of Bob Huff's story. When we last left off, Bob and his wife, Lynn, who was a registered nurse, had begun buying and refurbishing less-than-thriving nursing homes with their business partner, a real estate agent named George. Let's pick up where Bob last left off. I went into the facility and it was very rough uh, during those periods of time because there was actual patient neglect going on, patient abuse going on. Our philosophy is that we take care of patients the way we would want our own mothers and fathers to be taken care of. And that's been a a philosophy we've had uh, throughout our lives. We did have a couple riots there. I came in one day and I had a director of nursing there and I said, you know, things have got to change here and um, you must make rounds. I do rounds myself three times a day to make sure the patients are getting the care that they want. Uh, She came in a few days at that hour, but uh, within a couple of weeks, uh, I noticed that the quality of care was not improving and I had a family that came down on Monday morning and they were complaining rightfully so their father had not been shaved I said let's go up and see and they were right this was about seven o'clock in the morning so I said you know I had that situation taken care of immediately and I went downstairs and got a box um, out of the dumpster and I went to the DON's office and I started packing her up So she came in around 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning and uh, was curious why I was in her office. I said, well, I'm packing your things up. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're fired. I said, do you remember what I told you a couple weeks ago about coming in early, making rounds? I said, did you come in early today? Well, I had things to do. I said, me too. Taking care of patients was number one. And so um, I said, "You're, you're being fired. And so I terminated her immediately, not knowing what I was going to do. However, my wife is an RN, and I uh, called my wife, and uh, we got uh, my mother and my mother-in-law were able to care for our children for a few days, and uh, Lynn became the new director of nursing um, at the building, uh, the third building that we own. 
So she came up and uh, we sort of tag team for the next few weeks, getting things under better control, giving better guidance direction to the staff, letting them know what our concerns were and what would happen if they did not uh, follow our uh, directions. So uh, one day I got a call from Lynn. I was back home with the other facilities, and she said, Bob, they're rioting. The staff had riot was rioting. I said, oh, my goodness. And she said they wrote profanity, sprayed profanity inside the building. They're outside. And I said, okay, I'll be there immediately. So, But in the meantime, we had an a, a LPN, that workforce, who was an excellent employee. And it just so happened that her husband was the sheriff of the county in the city. So um, he came in to the uh, staff. He told him that if they didn't leave immediately, they were going to be arrested. This is private property. And so uh, they left. So we were left to begin, you know, the uh, process of doing things our way, the family way. And uh, the LPN came to us and said, thank God you're here to care for our community. And so we uh, were able to turn that around within a, uh, about six months. We were, Lynn would work one week and I would work the next, and one of us were always there. Well, during the time that uh, I was also uh, working in the kitchen because uh, we had let the director of dietary services go, and I thought, I've got dinner to make. So a dinner, and not only to make the dinner, but also to wash the dishes. So um, I was washing dishes about 6.30 at night after dinner, and here comes George. And George uh, said, hey, Bob, how you doing? I was worn out. I was very tired. And I thought, oh, George, I can't believe you're here. He said, well, I've got another place for you. It's in Steubenville, Ohio, down the road. And he said, this place is a 120-bed facility. It's located next to the hospital. And it's actually, a, a, it has good bones and it's a good structure, but it's managed very poorly. The owners want to sell. And can I take you over there to see it? I said, no, George. Uh, so within the next couple of days, George and I went to look at the facility. And again, it was a situation where the census was around 60 out of a 120 bed facility. So we were able to buy the, negotiate a contract, buy the facility, and uh, it was in terrible condition. There were no patients on one complete floor. When I was walking around the facility, you know, deciding where I should start first with renovations, there was a lady on the third floor, and the floor was empty. She was in an office, and she said, hi. And I said, hi. And I said, well, who are you? She said, well, I'm your home health care nurse. I said, you mean I have a home health care company? And Linda said, yes, you do. And I'm the director of that. This is my office up here on the third floor. I said, well, Linda, I said, we're going to have to move you down to the lower level. I restored a locker room that I didn't think we needed. And uh, she continued on. And I said, well, just do what you have to do and keep me posted. So uh, as I was the administrator there, and she was, um, you know, our uh, home health care company, um, I did what I had to do. Linda kept growing the company, so I gave her some more uh, space in a uh, storage room 
that we had located for her. And uh, over the next several months, we were able to do the renovations and make our contacts. We knew how to market our facility at that time, and it was a lot of it was just meeting people, going there, talking and convincing the hospitals and the social workers that we are for real, that we do care about patient care, and uh, we're going to do what we say we're going to do. And uh, during that period, Linda kept coming back and back and back. I need more space. I need more space. Finally, I bought a trailer, uh, you know, for a temporary office for it, put it on the property. And uh, it was very nice. It was designed as an office building. And, uh, you know, she outgrew that space. I said, well, I'll put a double white in. So I gave her a double white trailer and uh, we started, she wanted to open up some other satellite offices uh, because we were really growing. I mean, we had services at this time or provided services in home health care. So we began growing that business through the hard work of uh, Linda. And uh, I started paying more attention to the business at that time to the nurse or the home health care division. And um, that took off, that, that business just took off like crazy. So fast forward, uh, you know, uh, about 10 years, maybe 15 years, and we get to the point where Len and I have bought uh, several facilities and built several facilities and uh, also increased our home health care division. We started out with six employees and now we had 1,500 employees and it was just a totally different operation. And you've been listening to the story of Bob Huff. He goes into one situation and doesn't just remove the leader of the pack, but finds out that they're a pack of wolves. They weren't doing their jobs. They loved not doing their jobs. And when asked to do their jobs, they, well, took over the place and rioted. And that is something he owned. And the next thing you know, he and his wife are pulling double shifts and they're doing everything. They're cleaning the dishes, they're cooking the food. So if anyone thinks starting a business is a duck walk and you're going to work less, think again. And you own it. It's your money. It's your time. We love telling these stories because they're real. And warts and all, doing business, starting a business, owning it and growing it, no duck walk. The story of Bob Huff, the story of the American dream in many ways, an Ohio-born, American-made dream, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. 
Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we continue here on Our American Stories. John Raffle was a fiction editor for many years. Raffle's most recent book, The Strange Case of Dr. Cooney, How a Mysterious European Showman Saved Thousands of American Babies. Let's take a listen to this wonderfully unique American story. I spent about four years going down a rabbit hole of research to find out what was the deal with one of the strangest stories in American medical history. So early in the 20th century, um, if you were to go to Coney Island, um, the People's Playground, also known affectionately as Sodom by the Sea for its hijinks, or if you were to go to Atlantic City, which at the time was America's honeymoon capital, or if you were to go to, say, a theme park in Chicago or Minneapolis, you would pass an exhibit that would say, infant incubators with real living babies. And there would be a barker outside and you could pay a quarter to go see living premature babies being cared for in incubators. So when I first stumbled across this, I thought, how is this even possible? 
Is this the most crazy exploitation of human life? Is this a commodification of babies? Well, it turned out to be even stranger than that. There was almost no care for premature babies available in American hospitals at that time. So if somebody had a baby and a tiny one, two or three pounds, their best hope was to take the baby home and maybe wrap it in blankets, keep it warm next to the oven or the fire, and hope for the best, and often the best was not very good. Along came this man, Dr. Martin Arthur Cooney, who was behind all of these sideshows. Who was he? He claimed that he was a European doctor, that he had trained in Leipzig and Berlin. That, that would have been some of the best medical training in the world at that time. And then he was the protege of a great French doctor who was conveniently dead at the time that Martin Cooney was making these claims. And that he then came to the United States for the very first time in 1898 for the Omaha World's Fair to show this new technology, the infant incubator. Now, his story becomes very odd because apparently, according to him, he was just seized with the desire to relocate across an ocean. Seriously, why? Once you've seen Omaha, you can never return to Paris? I think I will give up my really prestigious institutional affiliation with one of the world's great doctors in France so that I can practice medicine on Coney Island next to the shoot the shoots and the alligator boy. Okay, it's not too much of a spoiler to say Martin Cooney really wasn't a real doctor. However, he knew how to save preemies and he was willing to do it when the medical establishment really couldn't and wouldn't do it. So here's this guy who actually did pick up a European protocol. He hired fantastic nurses. And let me tell you, in a neonatal ICU, the nurses are always the secret sauce. That has a lot to do with whether or not the babies survive. He had these great machines, the new incubators. He also offered the most meticulous care, very low nurse-to-patient ratio, insistent on feeding these babies breast milk only. If the mother couldn't provide it, he hired wet nurses. The premises were immaculate. He was a big believer in really loving these babies, love them, hug them, show them real human care. This was very much at odds with anything that was available in the hospitals for a long time. At the time, the hospitals really didn't have the resources to have enough equipment. They didn't have enough nurses. They didn't have enough space. Hospitals were sometimes not all that clean. They couldn't afford to hire wet nurses. They would feed the baby's formula that was not as successful. So here is this Dr. Cooney, fake doctor, saving children over the years by the thousands, desperately trying to persuade the medical establishment. And yes, admittedly, because this guy was charging admission to the public, he was becoming very wealthy himself. I don't really think he saw a conflict between doing good and his own personal self-interest. There were people who faulted him for that. But he continued and you would think the medical establishment would catch on and say, hey, you know, 
here's this guy, he's getting real results. He's saving 85% of these children who should be considered pretty much doomed. However, there were a few things going on, one of which unfortunately was the American eugenics movement, which was really about taking the new science of genetics and using it to try to manipulate the human gene stock. It ended up in absolutely horrific abuses, including the involuntary sterilization of tens of thousands of Americans and the decision to sometimes deliberately withhold care from infants who had severe disabilities. Um, and it didn't directly target premature babies, but it did cast a shadow over their prospects. There was really a sense of, you know, why do we need to care for these weaklings, these feeble babies? We have more than enough hungry mouths to feed. The mother will have another child and so on. So the resources were just lacking. Over time, Martin Cooney had one great friend in Chicago, Dr. Julius Hess. And Julius Hess was really everything Martin Cooney wasn't. He was a real doctor. He did have real credentials. He was very highly respected. And he began listening to Dr. Cooney, learning from him, taking his practices into the hospital setting, and desperately, desperately struggling for funding, struggling to get people to listen to him. He published the first book on taking care of preemies in this country in 1922, in which he dedicated his his book to Dr. Cooney, but something that really turned the tide was in 1933, at the bottom of the Depression, there was a World's Fair in Chicago. It's not the famous World's Fair that most people think of with the Ferris wheel and that's featured in the book Devil in the White City. This was a Depression-era World's Fair, and Dr. Cooney and Dr. Hess joined forces to have a big incubator show. It was right out on the Midway with the sideshows and other Midway attractions. Meanwhile, in the Hall of Science, you had a eugenics exhibit, but the actual work of saving lives was happening on the Midway, and there was so much publicity for this particular show that it did begin to turn the tide. Chicago became the first city with a really unified public health policy in order to take care of preemies. It would eventually become the model for the rest of the country. So if we really want to look at it, there are many people beginning to believe that, yes, you know, this phony doctor with the sideshow is actually the rightful father of American neonatology. He saved thousands and thousands of people. Some of them are still alive. I've talked to a bunch of them. I will tell you, not a one of them feels annoyed that they were displayed in a sideshow. Not a one of them feels like they were exploited in any way and not a one of them is irritated that he wasn't a real doctor. They feel only gratitude that this man saved their life and they went on to have wonderful lives and have children and have grandchildren. Without Martin Cooney, they probably would not be here. So we sometimes owe a debt to people who work really far outside the lines and Martin Cooney is one of them. 
Another really interesting thing about Dr. Cooney is that when hospitals began introducing incubators, and it, it really became very widespread after World War II when American healthcare in general just got better and better, that first generation of preemies treated in hospitals with incubators, a great many of them very sadly went blind and they couldn't understand what was going on and Martin Cooney by that point was already retired but they did go to ask him why is it that none of the babies you treated lost their eyesight and frankly he really didn't know Um, well he wasn't a doctor and nobody knew why this was going on the truth was the hospitals were pumping too much oxygen into the machines that was causing the blindness and Martin Cooney although he he pumped oxygen into the machines. It was never as much. And hey, he was a showman. So he would actually take the babies out of the machines and show them off. And because of that, because of that, their eyesight was preserved. So again, just a little piece of lost medical history. And I hope you enjoy this story. Thank you. And that was Dawn Raffle. And thanks, Dawn, for that really interesting story and so much work is done outside the boundaries of whatever the establishment thinks in almost any field the strange case of dr cooney here on our american stories from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American. Race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 